Last time on Montreal Sauce. If you're if you're an insane nerd like me, you can hook uh, CloudFront up to S3 and load it all to Amazon, <laughs> and that's how that's yep, <laughs> that's how ours yep. work. That's why your Montreal Sauce downloads are so fast because I'm mm-hmm. using the power of Amazon to deliver them to all thirty of you. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's fast. You can't deny that. So, um, so speaking of, uh, code and the like, wow, I'm such a noob. Um, (laughs) you, do you work, do you volunteer for the node foundation? Is that Uh, right? Yeah. So I, I'm a working group member of the evangelism, uh, working group and the website working group. So I, uh, moderate the. Uh, the Node.js evangelism repository and like share my ideas and give feedback on other ideas, help write things, um, help manage social media, that kind of thing. And then I also do, um, I merge pull requests on the website and I check things to make sure they're, they work and they're, they're logical. Um, and then I give feedback on ideas and stuff on there as well. Um, as a as a working group member or as a contributor to any of the uh, working groups, you get uh, Node Foundation membership. Um, so I'm I'm grandfathered in as a member there. Um, I'm I'm really excited about it. I love it. Um, I, it's such a good ex- experience and opportunity. And I've gotten to talk to a bunch of cool people about all these different things about events, um, programs. Teach, different teaching, different methods of teaching node, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so it's it's really cool. And I'm actually hoping I'm going to be able to go down to New York City on the 15th to 17th of December to see, to go to two events of people that are run by the people I've met um, online doing all this node stuff. So I'm super excited about that. Okay, so now, like, we have to be... Um cognizant of our of our listeners uh which is my mom um <laughs> yep. i can explain whatever needed yeah so what is node for my mom like i yep. i totally know i totally know <laughs> <laughs> um node is a platform written in it's a javascript platform for programs to be run so um javascript is a programming language that uses that uses kind of its special features that most other programming languages don't use um, or that are, they use in a different way. Um, and node is a piece that piece of software that runs on the server that, or your local computer that does things in a different way. It's asynchronous. So it does, it doesn't wait. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm so bad at explaining this. Um, <laughs> It runs. Right. It runs code fast and simply, um, and that code can be a website. It can be a, a tool that you use to write other code, or it could be a you know a notification that you have a new email. Um, it you can create any any program you want in Node, and it will run quickly. Um, I guess that's a way to describe it. Yeah, I would uh I'll uh flesh out maybe just the JavaScript yeah. piece of it a little bit more because um JavaScript uh 
I have a love hate relationship with JavaScript. Uh, but uh, JavaScript is a really unique programming language uh, to understand and use, uh, partially because uh, essentially every computer, every phone, every tablet uh, that you would conceivably use anything that's in the mainstream at least has a browser on it and all browsers um you know save unusual like text only browsers like links uh but your typical internet explorer uh safari chrome firefox they all have what's called a javascript interpreter in them and that Netscape Navigator Netscape Navigator has JavaScript as well. <laughs> you know, Netscape okay. Navigator was the progenitor of JavaScript, in fact. <laughs> yep. And uh, little little did they know what they were doing when they wrote it. Um, there's some great uh, YouTube videos online if you're interested in learning more about JavaScript. I would watch uh, any and all videos that have Douglas Crockford um, mm-hmm. talking about JavaScript because he does an amazing job sort of talking about his personal journey discovering what was what really was in javascript that people kind of didn't really know was in there because they were just using it to like change the colors of fonts when you clicked on things um but that's i mean that's essentially the role of javascript is to originally was to be in your browser and help make a web page just a little bit more interactive so it wasn't a static page of text with hyperlinks that would then load a, a whole new page every time you click them. JavaScript gives you more interaction while sort of keeping you on that page, which can make the web feel faster. In some cases, it can make the web feel slower if it's done wrong, um, but it can add a lot more interest to web pages. And in fact, if you're using something like Gmail in your browser, um, almost the entire interface is powered by JavaScript. Um so it's it's really a program that your browser is downloading and running in front of you as opposed to simply uh, a document that has a bunch of text in it. That's uh, uh, Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I commonly ask myself, how do words good? So. <laughs> That's, so is Gmail – Gmail is an example of it done pretty good and then uh, Google Drive is an example of it done really horribly? Is that <laughs> – <laughs> that seems about does, right. <laughs> does Drive use um, Angular? I I don't know. I, I, I just I, know that like using Google Drive for like one of my clients that I work with, it's like painful. It's just yeah. like there's so much like interactive uh, stuff on there there that it just it loads poorly and it you know you click on things three times and then you didn't click on it. So yeah, apparently they just did a redesign of. Google Plus, where they reduced the size from like 37,000 kilobytes to uh, 350, or maybe it's, yeah, some, it's some crazy reduction <laughs> um, because they just simplified what they had. Um, so that's the power of JavaScript if you actually do it right. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the thing that I really think has given JavaScript or had given JavaScript a really bad name for quite a while uh, prior to the emergence of of tools like jQuery was that each browser, while the basic language was the same, a lot of the a lot of the nouns were different. So even though the syntax of the langu- language was the same, it was like 
you were still speaking a different language to that particular browser because the way that that the way that wh- whoever built that browser, whether it was Microsoft or Netscape or Apple, uh, the way that they set up how the browser was intended to talk to JavaScript would change what you had to tell JavaScript to do in order to do the same thing from browser to browser to browser. Yep. And so it was a very complicated language to use for a number of years because uh, even though the language itself was similar, um, the the actual vocabulary that you had to know in order to use it in all of the browsers uh, was pretty cumbersome. Um, yep. And then you, know, you hit the nail on the head there. And then eventually you, we started to have libraries like uh, like jQuery, um, which has then given rise to people who don't say they know J- JavaScript. They say they know jQuery, jQuery yep. <laughs> because, they, because that's what they've gotten so good at, so yep. good at doing. But jQuery has kind of uh, helped sort of unify things, get people using JavaScript. And then once you had a lot of people using JavaScript um, – the the browser vendors all kind of got their ducks in a row and figured out how to standardize things and and now it's actually a lot easier to use JavaScript even without jQuery, which yep. then led us eventually to um to Node where um was it Google initially that started development on Node or was it just uh, it, uh, was, it was um what's his name Ryan Brian Dahl yep that's right. Um, I don't think he was working at Google. I know it wasn't Google. They use Google's V8 JavaScript engine, um, which is developed separately from Node. Um, but I think – I don't know where Dahl was working um, when it started, but it eventually got acquired by Joyent, which is a mm-hmm. web – That's right. Um, and they just relinquished uh, control over it in favor of the Node Foundation, which is a subsidiary of the uh, Linux Foundation. Oh, that's interesting. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that. Yep, yep. Uh, we use we're pretty much kind of backed by the Linux Foundation, so we have all similar. Um, we're, we're pretty much carbon copy their structure and are using it for us. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and it, it's amazing how someone that tries to evangelize it can't even describe it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So is Node then is like a library then? So libraries are built on top of Node. Node is a platform. Okay. Okay. Platform is lower level. It's it's like a toolkit that has all the tools that that libraries need to use to do things special. So like to make a website, there's the Express library, which is actually has abstracted itself into a platform in itself now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But so like originally you had node you you put express into your application and then that had all the components of creating a website for you um now there's node then you include express and then you include uh modules that help express do specific things you want it to do in creating a website um instead of just like having an all-in-one jack-of-all-trades type package um, so you can ha- have you have granular control of how things work. Um, there's also things like uh, build tool, well, tools that are helped in that help you develop software. So like Gulp is one of these, um, and it mm-hmm. it runs tasks that 
allow you to develop faster that streamline the development process. Um, and then there's, uh, there's desktop applications. Um, GitHub has released a pro, uh, interface for uh, native applications called Electron. Um, their uh, text editor Atom is based upon it. The uh, text editor that Microsoft released yesterday called Visual Studio Code is based on Electron. Um, and then, like, if you've heard of Slack, the, Slack, the desktop Slack application is Electron. Um, and there's just a whole bunch of other apps that are using Electron now. Um, but that can, Electron could be used to create just a normal app, or it could be create, used to create a simple, like a task, um, a task bar notification application. So, like, um, do you guys use Macs? Yep. So, like, um, I, I don't know what they're called, the Macs, but like drop downs that have notifications or like the sync with Dropbox or sure. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever that is. Um, so pretty much anything on the desktop, that's an application you can create with electron. So node has this kind of wide berth of things that it can do because it's so minimalistic and basic that it, it as a platform, it allows developers to do kind of anything they want. And that's the revolution is it's all JavaScript. Um, and so, you know, since JavaScript is so popular on the web, it's become um, kind of a monolith. No, that's not the right word. Um, it's saturated the market so much that it makes sense for people to just build things in JavaScript instead mm -hmm. of having to learn other languages. Yeah, it's uh, being a web developer uh, even five years ago, maybe uh, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, you would have started by learning HTML so that you could know like how to display something in a browser. And then eventually you'd learn uh, CSS probably would be the next logical thing to learn because you'd want to adjust the fonts and colors and layout and, and design. Uh, and then maybe you'd start to learn JavaScript in order to make your pages a little bit more interactive, uh, a little bit more front-end uh user-friendly or interesting. Uh, and then if you really went the route of being like a, a server-side developer, you'd have to learn yet another language like Python or PHP or Perl if you're really old. Um, or really young, you might learn Perl 6 now. Um, but uh, so that so at that point, you're at four different languages, HTML, CSS, PHP, uh, JavaScript, and they all have different purposes and intents. Um, and when you start to get into uh, programming with Node, you have the potential to replace, at least you could replace the like PHP or Python side of the equation with Node. So now you're writing JavaScript on the server as well as JavaScript for the browser. And in uh, cer certain special circumstances, you can even share code in yep. both of those places. So uh, you're writing it one time, and it can run in run in both environments. Um, which you know, as as uh, human beings taking one taking one entire swath of things that you need to learn kind of out of the equation and just saying, okay, I'm writing for the server. This is a special case, but I'm using the same language that I already know for the browser. Even if you have to know HTML and CSS still to make sort of the front end of things work, um, that 
is that's extremely powerful. And then when you start to get into some of the toolkits, like you're talking about uh, Electron and some of the front end uh, uh, web toolkits that exist for Node, you even can start to take some of the other elements out of the equation, like HTML and CSS, because those Node libraries can just kind of handle generating that stuff for you as well. Yep. Okay, I got it. So we're all made out of electrons. Yep. <laughs> Partially. Sure. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's where electron microscopes come in handy. <laughs> that's what they should call the inspector. Is that what they call yeah. them, the inspector in electron? That would be awesome. No, they don't, but that they really should. That's yeah. a good idea. I'm going to formally put that put in put in a pull request for that. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so you are you are talking to us on your Razer headset. Yep. Do you have a Razer mouse as well? I think yes, I read. Yes, I do. Yep. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> uh they're both very good pieces of technology. Um the mouse is fantastic. Um I I had a I got a gaming mouse. Uh, a while ago for 10 bucks, it was on sale for 10 bucks off, off from $60. And it was a giant piece of crap. Literally, it was like my hand didn't fit in it on it. So I was constantly having to like hold it from the bottom uh, up. And so that was just a pain. So coming to this nice, well-designed gaming mouse uh, is very a very big step up um, and much less painful. Um, and then my headset, I just, I love, I've seen uh, this headset in a lot of shows that I've watched. Um, I follow one specific company on YouTube um, and now their site since I've become a sponsor, um, Rooster Teeth. Uh, so I'm very into the, their content um, and they, oh, they are sponsored by Razer. They get, you know, they've gotten laptops and headsets and uh, I don't think they've gotten mice. Uh, but I've seen this headset a lot. So it, it's nice to have, it's like a little sign of uh, kinship, I guess. Uh, Cause I've had several comments on it saying uh, at school where, you know, SUNY Poly uh, that they recognize it from the shows as well. And so that was something I never got at community college um, in a small town. So it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm jealous because I've heard good things about their mice and I've noticed a lot of people have switched to gaming mice even if they're not gamers. And yeah, I was going to make the leap and try because uh, my uh, I think my I just wore my buttons out on my Logitech uh, Performance MX. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to try one of these gaming mice. They have good reviews. I'm going to grab one. And I went to this store and uh, I walk there cause that's what I do. I like walking and they only like, they had just your run of the mill, like Microsoft and Logitech mice. And then like their nicer mice, um, the ones that cost more and that are decent build quality. Uh, all they had was the performance MX again. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I've already worn one of those out. But if I think realistically, it took me, very long time to kill that mouse and i even repaired it once so i guess i'll buy it again because it's on sale and sales always get me so so then i bought it and like the next week i went into that same store and i didn't realize that they had all the gaming gear somewhere else oh yeah 
I was like, oh, no, they have it. And I was like, I could do the return thing, but uh, that feels shady to me because I've been using <laughs> it with my sweaty meat paw. So there's um, they actually just I just went to their website and they released a new one called Chroma and it uh, it changes colors. So that's fancy. <laughs> uh, and it has, you know, nine buttons on the side of it. Uh, so that's it's pretty cool. I, I've come to love the um, thumb buttons. Uh, oh yeah in games i use those as well as just in browsing um they're super useful um there's on the version i have it's like orca or something is the one i have there's two buttons on the reverse side um so on the right side of the mouse that change the uh, dpi of the mouse super annoying um (laughs) if i click if i you know accidentally bump something I go up a click or two and my mouse is like across the screen in half a second. Uh, so that's a feature I'm, I'm not super happy about, uh, but it, it, it works in gaming because, you know, sometimes you need a faster mouse speed for movement. So I'm able to use that sometimes. Yeah, I just love the um, I love the freewheel spinning of the scroll wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I really love to have that ability. And then like after like two weeks of having the performance MX, like now it's like so loosey goosey. And my other one wasn't like that, that it's like, I can't even, I can't leave it unlocked or like my web pages will just wiggle around. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, do you have a high DPI on it? That could be, that could be, um, I should double check that, but, uh, Yeah. It's always interesting because when you install it, then you have to go through all these hoops to like make sure you have it set up right. And sometimes it, uh, yeah, sometimes those settings just like change or it's, it's weird on OS X with the Mac because like they, there's like system preferences for like your scrolling and stuff. And then inside the app for the Logitech mouse, there are, there are scroll settings. So sometimes it'll just like freak out and I'll be like scrolling for like 20 minutes. And I've only moved like, you know, (laughs) barely anything on the page. And I'm like, okay, who, which one of you is screwed up now? (laughs) So I've got a story about that. So my computer is dying. Um, The keyboard doesn't work the e key doesn't work the g key doesn't work the h key doesn't work the eight key doesn't work and the dash key doesn't work um this is all like gotten worse tenfold in the last 24 hours so i have a clipboard manager that i'm using to uh type e g and h um so that's it's very frustrating um so i have to get a new computer now Uh, yeah it's your laptop then yep yep laptop um, I, I, I don't ever want to get a desktop again. I just like having my computer wherever I am. Yeah. Yeah. I get um, that. It's, it's just like, uh, I, I don't like using other computers. I just like having my environment. Like I don't have to install other programs on other computers. It's laptops are the only way to go for me. So. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I'm at the point like, um, where like we got a tablet and it's just like I haven't found a use for it, which I hear a complaint from a lot of people like um, because if you have a phone, then it's just a bigger version yep. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and it's limited. And then 
I mean, most of the time, especially when I do so much work from home, it's just like if I see, you know, something on my phone and I'm in the living room, I'll just like walk into my office and sit at the computer to reply to a tweet or something like that. Like I, I don't uh, use my phone as much. And um, so, yeah, like what you just said about just having one device uh, makes it's, it's interesting just because um, we've been talking like my wife as a teacher, they use Google apps for education so much that we got her a Chromebook. And um, so Chromebooks are great. They're getting better uh, if you like Google, but um, there's still certain things like uh, where she's stuck using like maybe Microsoft products or something. So she has like a dying laptop that's sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> and my laptop is dying. And so we had just talked about, you know, we have the tablet and maybe like our next purchase is a desktop that we share mm-hmm. because we both will have other computers if my laptop actually survived. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so but then you're right. Like, I feel like it's going to be the same thing. Like, I'll have my laptop in the living room and just be like, eh, I'm just going to go use the computer I use every day at work rather than open this up and try to find a file. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually kind of the opposite now. I um, got a shiny six, uh, six plus a few months ago, uh, iPhone six plus, And I, I, only watch videos on it now like i don't watch videos on my my laptop at all because mm. the resolution is worse on my laptop than it is on my phone <laughs> um, yep. so i i typically watch uh watch all my videos on my phone and then additionally i only use twitter on my phone i i, I used to use TweetDeck. i don't do that anymore because i like tweetbot better and um it's just like there's no cursors in twitter so like I have to check my mentions. I see them twice if I use TweetDeck, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to see stuff twice. So I have to use my phone for Twitter. Like I, uh, it's frustrating only being able to use phones for things like that because Twitter won't implement a feature. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's that's definitely annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, uh, I'm I'm in the process of uh, of getting used to my iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. How do you like it? Uh, I like it a lot, but I've only had it for about eight hours now. <laughs> so yeah, I I was one of the folks that ordered it on day one, but uh, but it was out of stock by the time I ordered it, and mm. so uh, it it just uh, showed up today. Awesome. Did you get a Did you it. get a stylus with it? Uh, yes, I did, but that also is on back order and still hasn't shown up. So that's, that shows up in, uh, mid December, actually. (laughs) So I got a couple more weeks before the, uh, stylus and the keyboard show up. Um, but just the, uh, the iPad Pro in and of itself and the, uh, and the messing around I've done with it so far, I, uh, can tell that I'm going to like this device quite a bit. Awesome. Well, yeah. what's I I don't follow Apple at all. What's new about the iPad Pro? Well, uh, essentially, it's uh, a bigger screen, so it's a twelve point nine inch display, uh, which is ginormous. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it has a it's a it's a super high resolution display as well. It's actually got more pixels than the uh, 15 inch uh, Retina MacBook Pro does. Mm. Um, and uh, essentially that's it. It runs iOS nine. It's got the new multitasking stuff to it, mm. so it supports all the you know running apps side by side stuff. Um, and beyond that. I don't think there's really a lot of other additional features as, until you get into the accessories, which I don't have yet. And so I can't talk to really mm. how well, like, the new pencil works or how well the uh, the keyboard works. But I'm looking forward to uh, to messing around with both of those. Has, has Apple had a keyboard, like an official keyboard in the past? Uh, for the iPad, um since day since the first original iPad, they've supported Bluetooth keyboards, mm-hmm. um, and the original iPad uh, actually, I think Apple wants to block this out. But the original iPad, you could uh, purchase a special dock that was called a keyboard dock, mm-hmm. um, and it essentially was their normal physical keyboard with like a thirty-pin connector and a little backplate on it, so that you could just slam the the original iPad into that and you could start typing, you know, it, it, it would activate the keyboard mode with it. Um, which was kind of crazy, but I gather that it didn't sell very well because they did not update it when they went, moved to the iPad two. <laughs> so I don't think very many people bought that, but I know a lot of people who have Bluetooth keyboards for their iPads. Yeah. So uh, do you have an Apple watch? I do have an Apple watch. How yes. do you like it? Uh, I like it a lot. I enjoy it. Are, is there actually like a functionality to it that like uh, third party apps provide that it is useful? Uh, so I use it for, uh, let's see. I use it for, um, a sleep tracker, which is the primary third party app that I use almost every day is I, I have a sleep tracker on it. So when I, uh, go to bed, I, I hit the sleep tracker and then it measures. It does the thing like uh, there's a lot of sleep trackers for the phone where you can like stick your phone under your pillow or whatever and it will measure how much you're moving at night. Mm. Uh, the watch has a has a similar app that you can do that with. Um, I think the one that I use is called Sleep Plus Plus by uh, underscore David Smith. Um, then uh, aside from that, I think I primarily use what Apple has built into it, like the, all the activity tracking and health tracking stuff. Mm -hmm. I use those for tracking my workouts. Um, and then aside from that, this is one of those things where I'm like, Oh, the Android people were right. It's actually really nice to have, uh, notifications on your wrist. Mm. Okay. Especially if you are, uh, zealous about, turning off any notifications that you know you don't want. Yeah. Like if you if you are pretty religious about going through that list and turning off notifications from all the apps that you actually don't care about getting notifications from, um, then it's really, really nice uh, to have notifications on your wrist because then the one the handful of times that it does go off, you can you can quickly check it and it gives you Essentially, the sense of, okay, do I need to really handle this right now and pull my gigantic phone out of my pocket? Mm-hmm. Or is this something like a text message that I can quick reply to right on the watch? Um, is it a phone call? I can quick take that on the watch. That kind of stuff oh, is, cool. is pretty nice. 
Um, I just I've spent time trying to find a good GitHub app um, for my phone, my six plus, mm-hmm. and I you know there's been a couple that are pretty crappy. Um, I got found one called CodeHub, and I purchased the upgrade for push notifications. Uh, so it sends me notifications when any of there's a new notification on GitHub for nice. uh, a square. Yeah. Um, that happens about once every ten minutes. <laughs> GitHub organization, yeah. Um, yeah, or in the Node.js organization. So that it's um, for, it's especially during the day, right? Uh, yeah. When I'm in class, it's like every five minutes I'm checking my phone to see see what this notification is, and ninety percent of the time. It's uh, GitHub, mm-hmm. and like the ten percent of the time I don't check, it's actually things I need to re- respond to or take care of. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, a bit frustrating. It's I, I would say as far as the watch goes, its downfall really is getting it configured exactly the way that you would like mm-hmm. it. Which I think I did pretty well out of the box, but I am a nerd, so yep. um, I have a feeling that there are a lot of people who could get the watch because they think it would be cool and they've said yes to every push notification on on your <laughs> phone and the default behavior of the watch is any push notification on your phone shows up on your watch. Yeah. It doesn't even matter if the developer of that application has created a watch app, the notification is still supported on the phone. Um just to and it will just, you know, ding you and tell you something's going on. Yeah. Um and so it's not very clear it's pretty clear once you're in like the Apple Watch app how to change those things, but that's it still feels like not a great solution. It's just a giant menu of toggle switches and it it could be pretty frustrating to uh the normals, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> how do you think they could uh, improve it to make it more usable for the normals? Ah, that's a thing. I don't know. I feel like uh most of the things that they could do would be <clears throat> very googly slash creepy kind of things like if 90 percent of people keep the notifications turned off on this app then by default it should just ship turned off mm-hmm. kind of things which i yeah. you know they could do that kind of stuff with uh anonymously i'm sure yeah. but you could i mean you could also it, it's i mean we all have stuff that we like already but you could also maybe make it a little bit easier by when you install an, a new app it asks you do you want these notifications to go to the phone like or to the watch, to the watch. yeah, yeah. It could it could do that there's i mean there's there's already people who complain on ios about the overload of dialog boxes right yeah um which you know is a plague on on windows it's a plague on uh android it's a plague on uh on iOS of just, you know, this app wants to do this. This app wants to do this. This app wants to do that. And you got to, okay, okay, no, yes, okay, go to the settings app. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I, these are also kind of like one-time things. Yeah. You know, once you get them set and you do like how it's working, it works great. Yeah. Um, speaking of, getting things working great um i downloaded visual studio code yesterday okay yeah released it's so much better than adam i love it (laughs) it's fantastic um 
Adam takes 30 seconds to load mm-hmm. and yep. Visual Studio Studio Code loads instantly. Um, so it, it's like my dream text editor. I, I used to be a huge Rackets fan. Um, okay, like sure. When Adam didn't exist. And yeah. then I was bitter that Adam existed for a while after it came out um, and uh, re- rejected it for a while. Um, and then brackets just got too bloated for me because I guess I, I reinstalled it and didn't delete all the files from the old version. Hmm. All these different things went wrong. So I just got sick of it being slow. So then I went to Adam. That was, it was slow still, but there was huge problems like two icons showing up in the taskbar for when I had it open. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, it, it, it like killed my brain just having two icons for the same application. Um, <laughs> what's it? No, I was just laughing. I, have, I know. Yeah. Um, and so like just visual studio code is so nice. It's like the best features of both of them. And like, I've, there's been three times when I've gone to create an issue for a feature request. And then I go back to the text editor and I like do, I click once and there's the feature I was going to ask for. Um, so that's super nice. <laughs> Um, and it's just been, it's been a dream. Um, it, I, I can't believe that a windows product actually has Git integration. That's really good, mm-hmm. like better than GitHub's, um, in Atom. So that it's fantastic. And there's like a no debugger. It's like supports no natively. Um, that's awesome. It's super cool. I, I know, love- I know Microsoft has been actually extremely supportive of node. Yep. Yep. I've seen a, they've done a lot to uh, help Node and pull Node users into Azure, um, which is a Node platform on, well, it's a server platform that runs Microsoft uh, software uh, operating system, Windows, um, the, like the latest kind of versions, if I'm not mistaken, of the ser- Windows server um, operating systems. Hmm. Um so having trying to pull they're really banking on node being big and it being accessible on uh on windows uh which has been a pain point for many um applic- software packages so like python mm-hmm. ruby they're they it's a pain in the ass to get them to work on windows yep, yep. um especially windows servers which is like a, a nightmare um <laughs> But with Node now, they've been working on making it uh, more accessible. And this is a huge step in the right direction. So, Yeah, almost every developer I know that uses Windows, um, if they need to use uh, most of those other kinds of tools, they end up using something like um, VirtualBox. Yep. In in combination with, you know, some kind of a virtual machine manager and then just running all of their development tools in like a Linux virtual machine. Yep. Just because it's it's easier to deal with the overhead of a virtual machine than to get them than to get these things running in Windows natively. Um, wow. That's but, saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 uh it's bad. Um uh, and it has been for years and years and they're just they're finally kind of getting it and getting it right. Yeah. Yeah. Um there there was I was looking at the hacker news um 
thread for like the announcement of this, which was super far up there um, on the votes. And I found, I read, you know, half, half the comments on it and I found um, this, uh, this two comments. I just posted the link to, to it on Twitter um, where I quoted it. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen um, in reference to like a windows joke. Um, pretty much the, this guy says, um, visual studio code has revolutionized how I code on Linux. Thank you, Microsoft. And the response was, that's a combination of word. I've never thought I'd see together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that makes me super excited that it actually is good on Linux too, because I like Linux. Yeah. Um, my lat two of my last three PCs have not had compatible wireless drivers for Linux. So okay, I, sure. I haven't yes, been able to the classic use, problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I spent probably 30 hours trying to get in this wrapper, which is uh, a wireless wrap or a, a wrapper for Windows drivers to map them to Linux. And it just didn't work. Um, so what's your, what's your flavor um, of I, Linux? I go back and forth between Ubuntu and Elementary OS. Okay, uh, sure. I love Elementary, but it's just so slow. Uh, mm. Like not mm. not the, not the operating system, the development of it. Yeah, it's so slow going um, yeah. that it just it's it's frustrating because new features hardly ever come, and then they come in a barrage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with Ubuntu, it's always evolving. Um, right. Yeah. And it's very well supported. Right. Um, so. I tried Ubuntu and it just, it, it's like impossible. And I, I don't ever want to try like free BSD or any of <laughs> you know, like, like even Kubuntu. I know it's like barely different. It's like the same ideas and people yes. and stuff. Right. It's just, it's a, too big of a pain to ask for me um, to install by myself. Yeah. I, I noticed like Arturo and uh, I believe it was Arturo and, um, Jacob Cook recommended like they love Arch, and so I thought I would try it on an oh, older God. machine. And yeah, that's a big uh, thing to have to try to install yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, once once I got through much of it, um, that's when I ran into the Wi-Fi driver issue. <laughs> and and so uh, so yeah, then I actually switched to um, just because I was messing around and wanted to play with uh, this old laptop someone gave me i ended up on uh i think they might have just changed their name but it's like crunch bang <laughs> yep and so the, for whatever reason the wi-fi driver worked in that one <laughs> i got lucky so yeah and uh, i just i love like the the um i think what is it called uh i think arturo is using it too open box um what's that i think that's the window manager so. Oh, okay, yeah. Something okay. So I, I, I liked Windows Eight. Um, almost no. I've never. I don't think I've ever heard another person say that. <laughs> I was gonna say. That. Yeah. Um, I really liked Windows Eight. Um, I like Windows. Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> I like Windows Ten. Um, one of the my favorite things is they brought finally brought multiple desktops to Windows. Um, and that's been, that's a huge feature that I just, I love it. Uh, cause I can, you know, have my gaming windows open in one, uh, desktop and coding in another. Um, so I, that's like 
I I'm, I was so happy when I saw they had that feature. Um, it just it made my day. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let me ask you the tough Barbara Walters question. So if you uh, if you weren't in information design, if you weren't uh, working with the Node Foundation, like what what would your sort of second dream job be? Um, probably a journalist, um, writing. I, I, I'm just writing isn't my main passion, but I'm, I feel like I'm very good at it and Mm -hmm. I do love it. Um, you know, computers and programming, I, that's my main thing, but I feel very comfortable writing. Um, it's just enjoyable. I understand it. I know how to do it well. So that, that's, I've kind of always maintained that if I, if I wasn't a computer or like into programming and web design and stuff, I would have been an English major. And a lot of my teachers were English majors and now they're teaching communications and information design and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's interesting to see that they were like the reverse of that, where they were the English uh, major, but they became a communications person. Um, So that's interesting. And yet definitely just English Nice. Yeah. Hmm. So you uh, you mentioned like Rooster Teeth is like a YouTube uh, show, isn't it? It's um, Rooster Teeth is a company. They produce. They have their so they have their own YouTube channel. They have Achievement Hunter, which is a, like a subgroup of six people, and then there's like a few people that do editing and stuff. Um, and then so Achievement Hunter does the vast majority of the rooster teeth content um they do let's plays and like let's watch and a few things like that um and then rooster teeth does shorts um they actually got they did a movie with an indiegogo campaign that raised 2.6 million dollars um yeah so they they the movie's finished and they're screening it now um they screened it at one fest in austin texas and then there's there they've come to an agreement with places around the world or like movie theaters um they're and they're just now get, they're about to release information about where it's going to be playing and stuff so are you uh are you mostly like a, a youtube viewer rather than like watching any tv um yes I, I don't watch any tv i never watch tv um i only watch videos on on the internet um i used to exclusively watch Rooster Teeth content and Achievement Hunter content on YouTube. But just like a month ago, um, I noticed that they dropped their Rooster Teeth has their own website and it's like this whole social thing. Um, And they dropped their price from $15 a month to $15 for six months um, as a supporter. So uh, what's it called? Sponsor. Um, so I immediately jumped on that because I it used to be ten, then they raised it to fifteen, and then they multiplied it by six to get six months. Um, so I immediately jumped on that. It's totally worth it for me because you get to see content early, um, and then they have like special content that's only available for sponsors. And I just love the company. I love all the content they produce. So th- that's pretty much what I watch exclusively. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's- I do miss out on a lot of cultural references uh, <laughs> because of that. So, yeah, it's just it's it's interesting. Like I, um, 
we often, especially on this show, we sometimes get in this whole conversation of like uh, cutting the cable and, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all these options. And it's just, it's really kind of fascinating because we have that conversation a lot. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then they're like, I'm just learning more and more people, especially with like YouTube Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, like mm-hmm. you're learning more and more people, like they're all their content comes from YouTube. Like they don't even need like Netflix or Hulu. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's kind of given rise to, or it's because of the rise of, like feature content on YouTube where they're like, let, I think let's plays are probably the prime example of it where it's, it's a entire episode of a show. Um, and it's like, there's, it's not just a segment or a bit of entertainment. It's right. a yeah. full piece of entertainment that you can enjoy from stop, start to finish. Um, and so that's, I think where things are going with this and, you know, Netflix is doing like their originals and stuff. Um, and that they're kind of banking on that same idea, I think. So, yeah, let's plays are interesting because they. It seems like they're the first uh, real long form content that has that has had any real success on YouTube. Yep. But, but because suddenly there is long form content on YouTube, all the other long form content that's on YouTube can kind of get a like a boost of legitimacy. Because it's like, oh, no, people do spend 40 minutes to three hours watching these YouTube videos. And they're not just watching three-minute clips of things. Right. So, kind of interesting. I I spend probably four hours a day watching videos from Rooster Teeth. Um, You know, they have three podcasts. uh, Well, four, but I only watch three of them. Um, (laughs) Then, you know, a Let's Play every day. um, Special sponsor content. And so I spend... Pretty much like all the time people would normally watch TV on watching Let's Plays and podcasts. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, the, I think gaming will have future developments in long form content online. Um, and I think that's it's going to be a lot bigger than it is now in becoming its own industry. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just did a infogram. Uh, infogram. Is that the word? Infographic of um let's plays on youtube um and there was you know i did some research and it's a phenomenon it's its own thing that hasn't been done before um like you said and it's really interesting to kind of look at the statistics of it and see like you know pewdiepie he has 40 million subscribers (laughs) yeah He's ma- yeah. he's probably making literally a million dollars a video. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 interesting to me, and it's it's the subject is interesting, and the concept is interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I just think uh, that- once again for uh, for Chris's mom, Hi, yeah. mom, uh, <laughs> a let's play is, and correct me if I don't quite get this right, uh, but. A let's play essentially is a uh, is a video of somebody playing a video game. So typically it will be a screencast of of a video game. They could be doing a mission in the video game. They could simply be uh, kind of ambling about in in a game that's a little bit more of a free form thing. It could be something like Minecraft where they're building versus where they're playing the actual you know survival mode. 
Um, but typically what they're doing is they're also talking into a microphone. There might be a small video window that shows you the player themselves. Um, and, uh, in some instances it could be like a multiplayer thing where you have multiple players who are all kind of talking to each other and you're watching them do, you're watching them play a video game. It's not unlike, uh, it's not unlike watching sports, except that instead of watching, sports and having commentators talking about the players you're actually hearing the dialogue of the players as they play a game it's kind of a a a different take on that same idea except that it's you know everything is happening in a virtual world and then being recorded and shared on youtube yep very good description of it um i i do want to add that just because it's a video game does not mean it's for children uh, <laughs> yeah the, the rooster teeth content is very adult. Um, you do not want your child watching that um, just because <laughs> of the language yeah. and the, you know, references and all the, it's very adult content. Um, and, you know, it's adult content that's aimed at the millennial kind of age group, um, which I'm a part of. Um, and so, you know, they're kind of, the millennials are coming into adulthood now or are past like in early adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so they're the one they're the ones that grew up with video games like Nintendo and Inter- entertainment system. Um, and they're the ones that are now consuming this adult content that is based in video games. So <laughs> <laughs> she mom's listening. She says, thanks. I got it. <laughs> <clears throat> And then, you know, in like six months, we'll find out my mom has her own Let's Play channel. <laughs> that would be awesome. I know, Let's right? Play. <laughs> when my mom plays Fallout 4. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like those Conan videos when he plays games. Yeah. I was going to say we could get together and play uh, Mario Kart and, and do a Let's Play of it. But Nintendo's pretty aggressive about killing those. Yes, they are. Yep. <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> Yep. which sucks because that's the that's the console the the one console that I like to play and I'm not really much of a much of a computer uh PC gamer PC gamer as it were yes PC yeah. master race yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so uh <clears throat> I think we should get ready to wrap this up Okay. It's getting to be about that time. It's getting kind of late, and yep. uh, there's mumbling things I need to say at the end of the show, apparently. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, but uh, it was really great talking to you, Tierney. Thanks a lot um, for taking the time to join us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, do you have anything to plug, like uh, um, traditional GitHub. podcast kind of? GitHub.com slash Node.js. If you want to contribute, we're more than welcoming uh, we want people to come and learn, even if you're not contributing code, uh, come say hi, see if there's anything you'd like to do. That's it. That's awesome. Nice. What's nice. your, uh, I meant to ask you this earlier, but what's your, uh, role with the, with the node foundation simply so, as a member or um, is there I'm, a more official capacity or I'm, I'm a member, but, um, the node foundation is the kind of parent for all the different working groups. So sure. there's, yeah. there's the TSC, which is the technical steering committee. So they decide how the actual code base of node evolves. Um, and then there's other working groups. There's, you know, build working group, which 
tests the code and then there's the website working group and the evangelism working group which i'm a member a working group member of um and so i'm a, an official of those groups um whereas other people are contributors or other working group members or uh just regular people sending in pull requests um so i i help i close things i uh merge pull requests uh, which is pulling people's code in that they gave to us. Um, and I just kind of do management on that type, that level. And then I share ideas and stuff. So awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you have a special handshake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, up, down, left, right. Up, <laughs> I thought for sure you're going to be like, it's a protocol that we, we connect with. <laughs> we call it the Konami node. <laughs> nice. But Good one. Yes. <laughs> got my pun in this week. <laughs> All right. Um, before we do our little sign off thing, I just wanted to say uh, it was a couple weeks ago now. Um, I, th- I think it might have been our little hostfully yours show where I we were uh, I was ranting about an OS upgrade <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and talking about things and the developer of Temperature Gauge Pro. Uh, listened to the show or saw our show notes and that's right they were like hey here is a license uh, serial to try out the full version of our application and i've been using it for a while and um i can review it for sure and say like you should definitely uh check out uh, tuna belly software if you have a mac and if you're into knowing what the temperature of everything inside your computer is because <laughs> obsessed like me but uh paul could also probably review it because one of the things i've been able to do with this software is um set my fan control to come on sooner or later if i want but i've kind of um used an example uh that the tuna belly software uh people have in their uh, notes and i've told the fan to kick on at a certain rpm when it gets to a certain temperature and then gradually increased it so that hopefully while we're doing the show, Paul never has to do too much editing that my computer just says, hey, I'm really working hard now, so I'm going to go. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to look at past shows and the newer ones to see if it really works. But yeah, definitely check them out because that was really cool. Like we don't have sponsors on this show, but they were like, hey, here's a cereal. Try it out. Yeah, so, that's awesome. So- yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, I wanted to give them some uh, love. That was really cool. And I am using the app, and it's awesome. And Paul isn't. Haha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Our thanks to Tuna Belly Software for sponsoring Montreal Sauce and the Given Agency Network. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Tierney, where can people find you? Um, Twitter.com slash bit and bang, and then uh, bmb.cupcake.is. Sweet. Uh, yeah, you can find me at twitter.com slash sickdays, S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S, or sickdays.me to find things that I've written and done and the such. And you can find me at Paul D on Twitter or uh, padizio.com, P-A-D-I-Z-I-O.com uh, is my uh, general purpose place where all the links to all of my other stuff is word yeah hey uh 
those of you that are listening in Canada, next week you should give your ear holes a break or listen to some <laughs> podcast or check out Rooster Teeth content mm-hmm. um, because uh, next Thursday is Thanksgiving in the States. So we're giving Paul the day off. Mm-hmm. Um, Yay. So no new show next week, but we will be returning the 3rd with Montreal Sauce, December 3rd. And we will be catching up with um, some students that we talked to in our first and only remote show at the Center for (laughs) Digital Media. Um, We're going to have one of the students back on and she's bringing with her uh, some one of her partners in her newest project at the school. So it'd be cool to catch up and see what's going on. Um, yeah, that's December 3rd. So have a good Thanksgiving if you're in the States. And um, is there something else I'm leaving out? Maybe Paul can tell you about ways to like promote our show. Just tell your friends. Or Yeah, you know, tell your friends or uh, give us a rating in iTunes. Uh, you can find the link to uh, the iTunes show at MontrealSauce.com. Uh, you could also recommend us in your podcast player of choice. I'm thinking of, uh, a pod, a player like overcast where they have their own little library and you can just hit the star to recommend us. Uh, and then beyond that, if you want to, uh, help, uh, contribute to the show in a financial manner, you can go to uh, patreoncom slash msauce and there's lots of fun reward levels, uh, that get you various types of high fives. <laughs> Rock and roll. This is true. Um, yes, and I'm distracted now because you said <laughs> something about podcast players. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was like, I think I should buy the one I've been using. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, check out uh, Patreon. I'm actually, so far, uh even if you are not a patron, we'd love to have you. But even if you're not, you can go to that address that Paul mentioned. And I've been sort of doing show updates like our next few guests I've blogged about and things like that. So you can check out our posts there. True. Or just go to our show for show notes. Go to our site for show notes. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> So thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to all the folks in the chat room tonight. Arturo and Brandon was there briefly, but then he disappeared. Um, We offended him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He loves New York, so he left. Um, Yeah, so thanks uh, again to Tierney and everyone. uh, How do I sign off again? Remember, if life gives you potatoes, make poutine. Maybe. <laughs> yes. Nice. That's the sign off. <laughs> that's the sign off. That's, that's a better sign off than mine. That's, that's the sign off. That's the sign off. <laughs> to all of you out there in podcast listening land, that's the sign off.